as you find a place there. And uh, that's not, that's just a kickoff place. That's just somewhere for us to get started. Job chapter number 23. I want to thank the pastor for inviting us to come. I appreciate uh I'm honored to be here this week. I appreciate you being faithful to come, and the church folk and the family of God here at the church. I appreciate all of the visitors to come. Night after night after night, we've been blessed with people coming high with the pastor. Thank you for coming. And uh, I apologize for the length of the sermon last night. Not for content, but I maybe it was a little long. I don't know. I just preached. I felt like I was through. And then... Uh, I drove home. I drove almost a thousand miles this week back and forth and uh, 900 and something miles. I got home last night late and uh, I got in studying, had a call from a missionary friend and uh, then I couldn't go to sleep. So I began to browse in the study and I found eight different books on the Song of Solomon and I went to bed after three o'clock. I read and I read and I read and I wished I knew all that before I preached that message last night and would have still been preaching on the Song of Solomon. And God really got real to me last night in that message. He's been real to me all day long. I've been, as it were, peeping through the lattice. How many of you were here last night? How many were here? I had that, I thought about that today. Peeping through the lattice and all the different things. I came skipping up on the hills. And one writer had this comment about those hills and skipping up on the hills and, and leaping over the mountains. He said there was no obstacle too great that uh, her beloved couldn't get to her. And I'm glad there's no obstacle too great in our lives that the Lord can't reach us and help us and, and pull us up out of this old, this old mundane life and this humdrum life that seems like the majority of Christianity is living. And I really have enjoyed the weekend. I told the Lord this morning, I said, Lord, I believe you've done more for me than anybody in the meeting. I felt revived and refreshed and Touch the godly kindled in my life. Coming down the road tonight, I got the tape of the Hanley Melby. So he put out a tape here a while back, a singing tape. Any of y'all have that tape? Brother Matt Hanley's got a tape out. Old fashioned songs. My, my, my. Got to sing them old songs. And the Holy Ghost got real in the car. And I got to peeping through the lattice again. And I don't know who was driving the car, but we made it. And God just, you need to get you some old tapes like that. You need to get you some old-time music, friends, and uh, some old-time preaching tapes that's got the juice in them, and every now and then when you're low in spirit, put them in, get along with God, and let God tell you up again. You better, you better learn that in these days. You better learn that we're going to have to continually, consistently, day by day by day. I'm talking about morning, about sometime in the afternoon, sometime before you go to bed, ask God to continually fill you with the Spirit of God. Fill you with the Spirit of God that we might to walk on in these last days. All right? Now, I promised to myself, and, and I tried to promise the Lord that I wouldn't preach long, but uh, the book of Job tonight, chapter number 23. Let's look here. I, I want to say several things that Lord will help me in just a short matter of time. But uh, in Job chapter 23, verse number 16. I want, you, I want you to be writing your Bible, if you underline, if you write in your Bible, you ought to underscore this. Job now is answering, he's giving his seventh answer to his critics that have been criticizing him. And the text tonight, the springboard for the message is, verse 16, Job said, For God maketh my heart fall. For God maketh 
my heart so. You reading with me now? Children for God maketh my heart so, and the Almighty troubleth me. Now, let's use that as a springboard, and I want you to go back with me in the book of Job, and I want you to go back to chapter number one, and uh, I want to talk about tonight, softened to serve. Softened to serve in these last days. I thought about another text that we could use. You could probably develop a series of messages out of this one thought. You remember in, is it Luke chapter number, Luke chapter number 22, when Jesus said to Simon Peter, he said, Simon, behold, Satan hath desired to have you that he may sift you as wheat. But the Lord said, I prayed for thee that when thou art converted, that you will strengthen the brethren. Now Simon Peter was sifted to strengthen. He was sifted to strengthen the brethren. God allowed him, friend. The devil was asking God for permission to get Simon Peter in his sister. You understand that? Jesus said, now Simon, Simon, behold the devil hath decided to have you that he may sift you as wheat. And you know what? The devil got it. The devil got permission from God to put Simon Peter in his sister. And we know how Simon denied the Lord and he failed the Lord. He even took an oath and he cursed and he said, I know not this man. But after that sifting experience, you'll find Simon Peter was strengthened through that too. He was, he was helped to strengthen the brethren on down through the line, friends. He, hey, wonder how we'd fast. I wonder how you and I would pass the test if the devil sought to get us in his sister. I wonder how we would do, friend, if the devil ever got us in his sister. And who doth know but that one day God, the devil may ask God for that permission. He may ask for permission to put us in his sister. And then would we be able, like Simon Peter, after that crisis and after that experience, would we be able to strengthen the brethren? So we find that Simon Peter was, strength, he, he was sifted to strengthen and Job, friend, Job was softened to serve. Job said, for God maketh my heart soft. Now you understand the book of Job is a, is a book of trials. It's a book about a man that, that the Bible declares in chapter number one and chapter number two. You, you find God bragging about Job to the devil himself. You remember the story, and I don't want to get into a long discourse of this, but you remember in verse number 6, chapter number 1. Now there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord, and, and Satan came also among them. And the Lord said unto Satan, Which comest thou? Then Satan answered the Lord and said, From going to and fro in the earth, and from walking up and down in it. And the Lord said unto Satan, Hast thou considered my servant Job? There is none like him in all the earth, a perfect and an upright man, and one that feareth God, and it sheweth evil. Now God was the one that brought up Job's record to the devil. Job didn't volunteer for this, Job didn't solicit this, but God brought up the name of Job to the devil. Said, hast thou considered my servant Job? There's none like him. I tell you, old Job is passing with flying colors in chapter number one. Why, he's the richest man in all the East, and God has been so good to him. But all of a sudden, now you know what the devil said, verse 9. Then Satan answered the Lord, 
and said, now wait a minute, God, the dead serve God for naught. The devil reminded God and said, now wait a minute, God, do you think God is serving you for no reason at all? The Bible said in verse 10, the devil said, Hast thou not made a hedge about him? I'm glad the devil let that slip. I'm glad the devil let that slip, and I'm glad God put it to put it in holy writ that, that God has a hedge about his people, friend. I believe that. I believe that. Hast thou not made a hedge about him and about his house, about all that he has? But on every side thou hast blessed the work of his hands, and his substance is increased in the land. Put forth thine hand now. That's the devil talking. He's saying, God, don't you understand that Job is serving you and Job is honoring you because of materialistic wealth and because of your goodness to him. That's the only reason. Got the devil saying, God, that Job serves you. Put forth thy hand down, touch all that he hath, and he'll curse thee to thy face. Now look here. The battle in this story is not between the devil and Job, but the battle is between the devil and God Almighty. And Job is the pawn. Job is the one that God brings up, and the battle is over. The battle is over, friend. So God gives the devil permission in verse 12, and the Lord said unto Satan, Behold, all, a double L. All that he hath is in thy power, only upon himself put not forth thine hand. So Satan went from the presence of the Lord. I can see the devil departing immediately free. Just as soon as God had given him permission. You know what I believe? I believe the devil knew right where Job was. I believe the devil had had his eye on Job and how Job prospered and how Job honored God. And now the devil finally got permission. He's going to take away everything, everything almost that Job has. And his plan is to get Job to curse God. To curse God. You know the story in verse number, look at chapter 1, verse 13, and there was a day when his sons and his daughters were eating and drinking wine in the eldest brother's house. And there came a messenger unto Job and said, The oxen were plowing and the asses feeding beside them. And the Sabians fell upon them and took them away. Yea, they have slain the servants with the edge of the sword. And I only am escaped alone to tell thee. And here comes this messenger in, and he gives the report that all of a sudden, all of Job's livestock, his asses here, and his oxen free, and are destroyed. Notice in verse 16, while he was yet speaking, while that first messenger was still talking, the Bible said that also there came also another, and said, the fire of God is fallen. Did you notice how this messenger, uh, do you know how, do you see how he responded uh, to the fire that came down? Uh, he said, it's God, Job. He said, it was God, Job, that did this. Uh, the fire of God is falling from heaven, uh, and it burned up the sheep and the servants, uh, and consumed them, and I only am a step along the tail of thee. Uh, and God, he was yet speaking. I mean, one uh, disaster, like uh, a right after another in sequence, friend. No lapse. No matter. I mean, hey, think about it. Sure, some of you and me, you and I, we get in trials, and they come in waves, and then there'll be a little sunshine. But Job, one, one, after another. 
Try all in the same segment of time. Boom, boom, boom. The Bible said in verse 17, while he was yet speaking, there came also another and said, The Chaldeans made out three bands and fell upon the camels, carried them away. Yea, they slain the servants with the edge of the sword. I only escaped alone to tell thee. While he was yet speaking, verse 18, there came also another and said, Thy sons, thy daughters were eating and drinking wine in the eldest brother's house. And behold, there came a great wind from the wilderness and smote the four corners of the house that fell upon the young men. And they are dead. And I only am escaped alone to tell thee. Do you see it free or not? I mean, the devil is assaulting Job. He's bombarding him one right after another. And the devil pauses now. And he thinks the next word he's going to hear out of Job's mouth. I believe the, the devil fully thought that Job would curse God right there on the spot. The Bible said then. I'm going to tell you something. You and I have faced some heartaches, and you may have faced some greater ones than I, but there's nobody in this building that's faced any more heartaches than Brother Job did. And by the way, friend, he didn't even have a pastor. He didn't have the Bible. He didn't have all the insight from the Bible principles that you and I have. Job is the oldest book in the Bible, friend. Now, that doesn't mean it took place before Genesis. It just means it's the oldest recorded book in the Bible. And Job does not have the indwelling presence of the Holy Ghost. But it all coming right on top of him. The Bible said in verse 20, Then Job arose. Oh, I believe the hordes of hell. I, I believe Satan and all of his demonic hosts got silent. The Bible said Job arose and went his mantle and shaved his head and fell down upon the ground and worshipped. Now, that does not imply, look at it, that does not imply that Job said, Hallelujah, glory to God, praise Jesus, all my children are dead, all my life suffered, no, friend, but he bowed down, and he humbled himself before God, and he worshiped, he worshiped, he worshiped. What Job is doing, he's giving a sacrifice of praise. He doesn't feel like praising God. Hey, I mean, think about it all. Seven sons and three daughters. Everything is just Job bowed down. And Job is a pattern for us. And Job was a good example here. And he worshipped. And he worshipped. I said, Nephew came out of my mother's womb. And Nephew shall I return thither. The Lord gave and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And in all this, Job sinned not, nor charged God foolishly. See number one. And then you come to chapter number two. You know this. There came another day when the sons of God showed up. And in the midst of the sons of God, the devil came in again. And the Bible said, the Lord in verse two said unto Satan, from whence comest thou? And Satan answered the Lord and said, From going to and fro in the earth and from walking up and down in it. And the Lord said unto Satan, Hast thou considered my servant Job? There is none like him in all the earth, a perfect and an upright man, one that feareth God and escheweth evil. And still, and still he holdeth fast his integrity. For thou movest me against him to destroy him without cause. Praise God, I tell you, I believe God Almighty was a smiling as he told the devil. He said, it's not worth yet, Mr. Devil. You've not got him to curse me yet. 
Look at verse number 5. Verse 4, and Satan answered the Lord and said, Skin for skin, yea, all the man hath to give for his life. Put forth now thine hand and touch his bone and touch his flesh. He'll curse thee to thy face. Boy, this is the devil's last straw now. He's done everything but touch Job's own body and Job's flesh. He said, God, give me permission to touch his bone. Give me permission to touch his flesh. I'll get him to curse you to your face. The Lord said unto Satan, Behold, he is in thine hand, but save his life. And Job thought he was going to die. Job thought he was going to die. He was down to the very jaws of death. But God said, You can touch his flesh, but you cannot take his life. What's this? In verse 9, then said his wife unto him, look at verse number 7, so, the, so when Satan went forth from the presence of the Lord, and he smote Job with balls from the sole of his foot unto his crown. Can you imagine this? Now you've heard this preached on before. From the sole of Job's foot to the crown of his head to the tip of his fingers, I mean in his mouth, in his nostrils, in his ears, on every part of Job's mind. When he woke up, there was an old boy, a noise, a running, a sigh. When he woke up, friend, eyes, face. They, I read one time where they said it would probably look like a rhinoceros skin. And that old person, and that old infection of stuff running out of Job. In one place, Job said, my flesh is clothed with worms. What happened when the flies came by and blowed upon him? And the maggots were literally working in Job's flesh. As he said, Job 7, 1, read it. As he sat in that ash, he, he scraped himself with a broken piece of potsherd. He'd just burst them risings. Just burst them as he'd scrape himself with him. And the, and the, the pus and stuff, the infection, which is fine. It's not a pretty picture, is it? Wonder how you and I would have handled it up to now. I mean, we can't take one of our cars breaking down. I mean, we can't take it. Listen, the refrigerator breaking down. Or the glass quitting. And we're ready to quit on God. We can't take a few church members leaving. We can't take a little of this, a little of that. Amen. The Bible said in verse 10, and verse number 9, Then said his wife unto him, he wakes up that morning or whenever, and Job steps out of the house, he's clothed from the top of his head to the sole of his feet with balls. Verse 8, he took a posture to scrape himself there with, with, with all, and he sat down among the ashes. There's a good text. That's where most Baptists are sitting. They're sitting in the ash heap where there used to be fire. They're sitting in a past remembrance. That, that's where most of us are sitting and serving God on past remembrance, friend, where the fire used to burn. He scraped himself, and his wife comes out, verse 9. Then said his wife unto him, Dost thou still regain thine integrity? She said, Curse God and die. Just curse God and die, Job. Go home no longer, honey. And your uprightness. Just curse God. Cursing and dying. Oh, you take a lot of things. You can take a lot of things, friend. But when your own mate, when your own spouse turns on you, she said, Job, why don't you just curse God?
Verse 10, I can see old Job. Hey, now think about this. Balls in his, on his tongue, the roof of his mouth. Balls down to it. He, he, he tries to work some slava up. And he tries to get his lips wet with balls and blisters like all over him. And he begins to try to pull his eyes apart. And he begins to try to look at her. And he said, woman. He said, in the hurry, he said, he said thou speakest as one of the foolish women speaker. What? Shall we not receive good at the hand of God? Shall we not receive evil? In all this, Job, sin not, nor charge God foolishly. Right. Scene number two, Job is passing with flying colors. You better, you, now listen, chapter one and chapter two is not a run, running commentary of the book of Job. It's an introduction. If you're reading chapter number three, friend, after this, Job did good right in the first of that trial. Job just passed the flying colors and none of us would have come close to him. But after this, after this, after this, so the Bible said, open Job his mouth and cursed his day. Do you see that in your Bible? Now, Job never did curse God to his face. God, Job never did curse God to his face. But Job did curse the very day he was born. And it's almost like Job's putting a question mark on God's timing and God's allowing him to be born. That's what he did, brother. The Bible said there in verse 2, And Job spake and said, Let the day perish wherein I was born. In the night in which it was said, There is a man child conceived. Notice in verse 11, Job said, Why? Why died I not from my, my, why died I not from the womb? Why did I not give up the ghost? When I came out of the belly, why did the knees prevent me? Why the breast that I should suck? He said, Oh God, I wish I'd have been stillborn. How wish that I died in my mother's belly? Oh God! And Job cursed the day he was born. After this. Sometimes we do good in the initial explosion of the trial. But after that thing continues on a few days or weeks or months. After this. Well, I tell you, I'm not criticizing Job now. I'm not trying to find fault with Job. I'm going to tell you something, friend. Job was human just like the rest of us in here. And there are no bionic saints in that Bible except the Lord Jesus. He wasn't bionic. He was the God-man. And all those other saints had problems just like we do. You ever been in such a trial? You ever been in such a heartache that you questioned God in your mind and said, God, why would you even let me be? Why, Lord, did you even let me be? The Bible said in verse number 17, there Job said, he's talking about there in death. There the wicked cease from troubling. And there at death he's talking about the weary. Be Job said, I wish that I died. I wish that I died. He said, the weary are at rest. Look at, chapter, look at verse 25. Verse 3. For the thing which I greatly feared has come upon me. Have you, do you fear something, friend? Look here! You, is there something in your mind you fear? Do, do you have a fear of that dreaded C word, cancer? Cancer. Do, do, you, have, do you have a dread 
of growing old and the fear of growing old and being all alone. Job said that. Listen to me. Job said, for the thing which I greatly feared has come upon me. And that which I was afraid of is coming unto me. I was not in safety, neither had I rest, neither was I quiet. Yet trouble came. Yet trouble came. Now listen to me, this is God's trophy. This is God's trophy, Brother Job. You listening? Job was the greatest man in all the East. God bragged on Brother Job. You say, preacher, did God know he was going to act like this? Did God know he was going to curse the day he was born? Did God know that Job was, yes, yes, yes. And God still bragged on God knew he was going to do every bit of that. And God still said, there's none greater. Hallelujah. Praise God do all that. When he said, hast thou considered my servant Job? Job said, yet trouble came. I'm going to tell you something. I don't care. Listen to me. Look at me. I don't care how close you're living to God. I don't care how much you're denying your flesh. I don't care how much you're living for God and you're praying and you're walking with God in the river of the Holy Ghost. Yet trouble! Yet trouble! Well, come. It's going to come. It's God's plan. It's God's program. It's going to come. It's going to come. It's going to come. Get trouble, okay? Before you go, and I can't preach through this thing. We'll be here all night. You understand that, and you don't want me to neither. I'm telling you, brother, you get through little excerpts in here of Job's life. Boy has three friends that show up. Build that so-called friends. Huh? I heard a man say this some years ago, and boy, I couldn't really handle it much then, but he said, if you've got really, he said, if you've got five friends, he said, if you have got five real friends, he said, you better count yourself fortunate. And you know what another man said a real friend is? He said, a real friend is coming in when everybody else is going out. When all your so-called friends have one out, a real friend will be coming in. Coming in. That Bible said, A free and loveth at all times. At all times. Bill Dad so far in Eliphaz. They show up, and when they get to where Job said, they're coming to comfort him. And they come and they sat down, and when they saw the awful condition, it so astonished them, it so took them and sent them back. They sat there seven days, and never had opened their mouth. They couldn't say a word. Job looked horrible for him. And when they did begin to talk, you know what them friends did? They found fault. They said, Job, you're a hypocrite. Job, there's secret sin in your life. You read through there, friend. You'll find that to be so. Oh, you get over there. You'll find it. I thought about over there in chapter number Chapter number five, I believe it is. Chapter, chapter number, no, I want to get over there. Chapter number eight. Well, even in chapter number fourteen, I said chapter seven. I can't get in all this. But no, Job's answering Eliphaz here. You know what Job said in verse fourteen? He said in verse thirteen, when I, when I say my bed shall comfort me, my couch shall ease my complaint. He said, but I can lay down and rest, that'll ease me. And he said, then thou standest for me with dreams. 
Job said, and terrifies me through visions. Do you understand what Satan was allowed to do to Job? In Job's mind and in Job's dreams, he was then assaulted and bombarded by the hordes of hell. You're having problems in your dreams? You're having problems in your night dreams? You ever wake up screaming, No! No! You say, Preach, what are you talking about? I'm going to tell you, friend. Hey, listen. Sometimes the enemy, your mind is not saved. Are you listening to me? Your mind is not saved. My mind is not saved. Sometimes the enemy terrifies us as we try to sleep. Job was going through that. Don't look at me crazy. I'm still in the King James Bible. Job was going through that for you. Look at verse number 6 of chapter 8. Oh, Bill, Dad. He said, now, Job, won't you see this? Chapter 6, verse 8. Chapter 8, excuse me. Chapter 8, verse 6. I can't see with these glasses or without them. Chapter 8, verse 6. Bill, Dad said, Job... If thou wert pure, watch this, this mentality is still around today. He said, if thou wert pure and upright, surely now he, speaking of God, would await for thee and make the habitation of thy righteousness prosperous. Why, he said, Job, if he was really right, God would awake and God would come and you'll have to. You see what he's saying. That's that charismatic mentality of the day. If you're right with God, then God will show up and God will make your way prosperous and make you healthy and wealthy. That's birthed out of hell. Can you imagine how Job, this is a prayer. This is a friend talking to Job. Job, No wonder Job said you're all a bunch of miserable comforters. He said said, you're a bunch. He said when y'all die, he said knowledge is going to die. He said you boys think y'all know everything. Look at verse 13, chapter 8. Bildad said, so the paths of all, so are the paths, Job, of all that forsake God. He said, here it is, Job. you got secret sin in your life. You forsook God. And this is why God's bringing this on you. So all the paths of those that forget, that forget God and the hypocrite, the hypocrite's hope shall perish. Oh, Bill, Dad said, Job, don't you understand? You forgot God and you're a hypocrite. Your hope's about to perish. Yeah. Or aren't we quick to pass judgment? Aren't we quick to pass judgment? Let somebody suffer a financial backset. Let somebody lose their job. Let somebody come down, you know, cut down in the prime of life. And man, if you're not careful, you're going to pass in judgment and come to find fault. That believer's life. Who doesn't know but that God is still saying, Hast thou considered my servant? Amen. Amen. Look at verse number 20. Bill Dad said, Behold, God will not cast away a perfect man, neither will he help the evildoers. He said, Job, you're not perfect. You're not, you're not a mature man like we all thought you were. Because if you was really mature, spiritually mature, he's saying right here, God wouldn't cast you out here like you are. And then he said, Neither will he help the evildoers. He said, Job, reason you're not getting any help from God, you're an evildoer. You see, I'm going to pass the judgment on Got to go on, we got to go on, got to go on. And then, right on through here. 
Job said in chapter 13, verse 4, But ye forgers of lies, ye are all physicians of no value. But I mean, it's beginning to get under his, his, his balls and under his skin, friend. He said you're a bunch of forgers of lies. He said you're a bunch of physicians of no value. Verse 13 of chapter 13, he said, Hold your peace and let me alone. Boy, I felt like telling somehow I know like that. I felt like telling a few believers that. I like what Job said in verse 15. But I'm telling you, out of the pit of despair and defeat and discouragement and disillusion, Job ran up through faith and he said, Though he slay me, yet will I trust in him. He said, I will maintain my ways before him. Job said, If he kills me, if he slays me, I'm going to go on. Going to go on. You may understand this now. Look here. Remember what I said the other night, but the Bible said in Romans chapter number 8, we are as sheep accounted for the slaughter. God saw fit to let this sheep right here, Brother Job, come down to the slaughter. Everything that he had so God could be glorified. That's right. Well, you say that's unfair. You say, God ought not do us like that. God's got every reason to do with us whatever He wants to, friend. We're not our own no more. We're bought with the price. Hang on now. This will help. If this ain't helping you tonight, put it down in preventive maintenance. Because sure as you're breathing God's good air here at Mineral Park, I'm telling you, troubles are going to come. Troubles are going to come. The devil's going to try to knock every prop out from under you. He'll say, God doesn't love you. God's mad. God hates you. Hey, he'll, he'll accuse you. Oh, Job said, though he slay me, yet will I trust in him. I like that. Boy, you're going through here. Oh, in chapter 14, Job said, Man, this born of woman is but a few days full, full, full of troubles. I couldn't understand that when I was 12. I couldn't understand that when I was 15. I didn't have a good grip on that when I was 24, when I first got saved. I didn't have a good grip on that, but just here, in the last few years, friend, I'm seeing it. That man born the woman is but a few days and full of trust. Listen to me, I want to make a statement, I want you to hear me. It happens, are you listening, Mama? Are you listening, Dad? It happens to good families also. It happens to the best of families also. Because Job was a perfect man. He was God's trophy. You'll need that one day. You'll need that. Ah, old Brother Edgar do like this. <laughs> I'm getting ready to throw a cog in the theological wheel right here. Before you cuss me, and before you consign me to purgatory, you listen to what I'm about to say. And I feel like I need to say this, and, I, and I'll take rebuttal. I'll take, I'll take, I will take rebuttal after service if you'll be so kind. But you know, there's been a mentality that uh, if we'll get, and I know what the Bible said in Acts chapter 16, verse 31, when the Philippian jailer said, "What must I do to be saved?" 
He was under conviction, friend. He was a trembling. And Paul said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved. And, watch this, hang on now, and thy hearts. Now that does not imply, I do not, I do not believe that implies household salvation. Absolutely guaranteed. They're going to have to believe just like the Philippian jailer believed. They're going to have to get under conviction just like the Philippian jailer got under conviction. And if they'll believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, they can be saved just like he did. But somewhere back there about 35 years ago, 40, somebody came up with this man mentality. You believe on the Lord Jesus, and then you're guaranteed all of your households will get saved. They be different. Don't believe our theologies right there. Wow, you know what that's saying? That's saying God's going to violate their will. Come on now. You know what that's saying? That's saying, well, you just get saved, Daddy, and you get saved, Mama, and that's a guarantee God's going to save all your youngins. Well, friend, that would be God violating those youngins. We don't believe that. You're going to need it. You better get a hold of that. You better get a hold of that. Because you may have a prodigal go crazy one day. You may have a daughter or a son go stop leaving mad in this world one day. The devil try to kick your brains out. That's right. I'm going to tell you something else while I'm a passing. That Bible said in Proverbs 22, 6, Solomon said it. It's inspired, it's inerrant, it's infallible, it is the Word of God. Solomon said, Tread up a child the way that he should go. When he's old, he will not depart from here. That doesn't mean, that doesn't mean that if you train a child upright, he will not get out in the world. He will not get out into sin. Hey, come on now. Don't you know how Solomon wound up? Look at Solomon's voice. Hey, that means I believe if I love my heart. That means if you teach them and train them right in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord, they never, never, never will be able to get away from that truth will halt them. That truth will trap them. Good That's right. Troubles are coming. You say, preacher, this is a pessimistic way to wind up this meeting. I'm just telling you the truth. Troubles are coming. You know what I'm seeing? I'm seeing people, they, they've gone along pretty good now. They've sailed on for a few years with the Lord now. But then something's happened. They got, some kids went crazy. Something's gone wrong. And they just can't get a grip on it. They can't put it all together. And the devil's kicking their brains out. And you know what they're doing? They're falling out. They're quitting on God. Throwing in the towel. Everything. Job said, though he slay me, yet will I trust in him. Though, do you really mean that when you sing it? Though none go with me, still I will follow. Do you mean that? Troubles, they're coming. All the way through there. Paul. You know, in chapter 19, Job asked a lot of questions. The book of Job is full of questions, questions, questions. 
I guarantee you this, before the trials came in Job's life, he could have probably answered every question you had for him. He could have wrote a book on questions, answers for questions. But when the trials come, and the heartaches come, and the disappointments come, all Job had was questions. 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 In the midst of all that gloom, despondency in chapter number 19, Man, you go through that chapter and we don't have time. Goodness gracious, he asked a lot of questions. He didn't understand a lot of things. Job couldn't understand. Then in verse 25, it says, though he raises his head out of that fog of discouragement, defeat, and despair, Job had a shot of faith stuck into his heart like it was. God just run that needle into his heart and just shot like his just faith into old Job. And old Job said, For I know my Redeemer liveth. He said, I stand the latter day upon this earth. Know the skin worms destroy this body of mine. Yet in my flesh shall I see God, who mine eyes shall see, and not another. Know my rage be consumed with it. He hit a home run right there. He hit a home run. You said, Brother Buster, where are you getting it? Come on through there. Job asked the question, chapter 21. This would be a good question. We asked it a lot of times. Chapter 21, verse number 7. Job said, Wherefore, wherefore do the wicked live? By God, that's what he said. Wherefore do the wicked live? God, why are you letting the wicked live? You ever asked that question? You ever thought that question? Job said, Wherefore do the wicked live and become old, yea, and are mighty in power? He said, God, I don't understand this. God, I tried to live for you. I tried to do right. How old are you? Why are you letting the wicked live? Job said, Lord, why are they getting to grow old and they're mighty in power? And he said, verse 8, their seed is established in their sight with them. See, Job's seed had died. And they all spring before their eyes. It does so. He's talking about his grandchildren. And their houses are safe from fear. Neither is the rod of God upon them. He said, God, your rod's on me. Your rod's on me, God. Ever seen this in this life? Ever seen this? Well, I mean, he gets on down to the elementary things. Look at verse 10. He said, their bull, their bull gendereth. That's exactly what it means. He said, their bulls are able to produce seeds. To produce seed, their bull gendereth and, and falleth not, and their cow taveth and, and casteth not her tail. Job said, my God, the wicked, their, their, their bulls are able to, to produce. And not their cows give tanks. Job was just asking a lot of questions. You may be here tonight sitting here for all the answers. But you let trouble come and I'm going to tell you what you're going to have. You're going to have a bunch of questions. Because <laughs> we're not any better than Job and he was the greatest man in the East. Boy, he's full of questions. We're through, man. Say, through? You ain't even got to where you're going. Oh yeah, we're over there now. Just just passing through, Job. I want you to go back and study it like you've never seen it before. Look at that and think about it. Chapter 23. Chapter 23, verse 1. Then Job answered and said... Now, the best I can read the study behind writers, they feel that Job's crises, Job's situation lasted about one year. One solid year. 
365 long days, friend. Look here in chapter 23, verse 1. Job answered and said, Even today is my complaint bitter. Do you see what's happened to Job? Do you see what's happened to him in the trial? Bitterness is set up. There it is. There's some bitterness. He said, my complaint's bitter. Begins to complain. My stroke is heavier than my groaning. Oh, Job said, verse 3, that I knew where I might find him, that I might come even to his seat. Job, why do you want to come to God's seat? What are you going to find God for, verse 4? I would, I would order my cause before him. Job said, I'd order my cause. I'd tell him this and I'd tell him that. I'd fill my mouth with arguments. Do you see that in verse 4? That's exactly what that's saying. He said, I'd order my cause before him. And I, if I had an audience with him, I'd fill my mouth with some arguments to God and his will and his plan. I'd order my cause before him and fill my mouth with arguments. I would know the words which he would answer me. Boy, Job's getting kind of cocky now. That's exactly what that's a saying, friend. Job said, I'd like to know what he'd tell me if I had the chance to talk to him. I'd know the words which he would answer me and understand what he would say unto me. Will he plead against me with his great power? No, Job said. Boy, if I could talk to him, he wouldn't plead against me with his great power. If I could order my cause and tell him about how righteous I've been, how holy I've been, if I could just talk to him. But he would not. He would not, Job said, plead against me with that great power. No, but rather, Job said, he had put strength in me. Do you see, Job is feeling like he's being treated unfairly by God Almighty. You felt that way? Look up here. You felt that way? Hey, don't look at me like that. we got the same nature Job had. You ever felt that way? You ever felt like I deserve better than this? Well, God, I've served you. I've lived for you. God, if I could, boy, if I could just get to you, God. Now, you know, we don't, we, we're not going to be that. We wouldn't say that, but Job did. Job's bearing his heart here, friend, how he felt on the inside. You mean to tell me, Brother Buster, God, Job felt like that? Yeah. I'm going to tell you something else. God knew he was going to feel like that. And God still said, there's none like him. Praise God, there's hope for me and you. I'll tell you what I see right there. There's hope for me and you. Verse 7. Job said there the righteous might dispute with him. Where's that at? If they can find his seat and get to where he's at. He said the righteous will dispute with him. So would I be delivered from ever for my judge. If I can get before God, I'll be delivered from my judge. Verse 8. He said, Behold, I go forward, but he's not there. And backward, but I cannot perceive him. Job said, I can't find him. Job's trying to pray as it were. Job's seeking God's face. I guarantee you, Job is a praying. And Job is seeking God. Why God? Why God? Job said, He will not let me find him. That's what he's implying. I go forward, but he's not there. Backward, but I cannot perceive him. On the left hand, where he doth work, but I cannot behold him. Job said, He hideth himself. He hideth himself. That's what Job said. He hideth himself on the right hand that I cannot see him. Job said, God's playing hide and seek with me. You ever felt like that? You ever been there? 
Jim went forward trying to find him, backward can't find him. Job said, he's hiding from me. Verse 10. Verse 10, now hang on. Job begins to calm down a little bit. That old nature's talking in Job up till now right here in this chapter. All of a sudden, that believing man in Job says, Job said, but he knoweth the way that I take. Job got a little help right here. And he said, but he knoweth the way that I take. He said, when he hath tried me, I shall come forth as gold. Oh, Job begins to respond in faith right here. Just a little bit of it oozed up in him. He said that. He said, my foot, watch this, I like this. He said, my foot hath held his steps. His way have I kept and not declined. Job said, neither have I gone back from his commandment of his lips. He said, I've esteemed the words of his mouth more than my necessary food. Look at verse 13. 13, it's almost like Job begins to sink again. Job said, but he is in one mind. Who can turn him? What his soul desireth, even that he doeth. Now, Job is... Saying a mouthful right here. Job is realizing that God is going to do what he desires to do to get glory to his name. I'm telling you, God is going to do with us what he desires to do to get glory to his name. If it's God's will that we lay on a deathbed and suffer with bone cancer till we go our last breath, God's going to do what he wills to get glory to his name. Do you understand the reason God saved you? Look up here. Some of you with me, some of you not even here. I'm going to tell you the reason God saved you, the primary reason God saved every one of us that are saved. He saved us for His glory. For His glory. For His glory. That's right. Job said, but he's in one mind. Who can turn it? What his soul desireth, even that he doeth. Watch verse 14. For he performeth, for he performeth the thing that is appointed for me. Job's getting some help right here. He said, this is appointed unto me. And he said, God's performing. Watch what he said. For he performeth. It carries the idea of policy. And doing a work on a vessel. Job said, he, for he performeth the thing that is appointed for me. And many such things are with him. Job is saying, this is one of the instruments that God has got in my life that he's using uh, to work in me. To work in me. You've heard all about the potter and the clay. You've heard all about the potter and the clay that's gone by. You know that many of those potters, you know they had the table there. And they'd have a piece of wire that was stretched across through there. And when they brought that clay up out of the riverbank and they let it cure a little bit, they put it, what they'd do, they'd sit on top of that wire. Put it down. Put it down. Put it down. And it just slice, and slice, and slice. And they'd do it over and over and over. Turn it over through that wire. Through that wire. You know why? Everything that was foreign to that clay Hang on that wire. Piece of grass. Throw it out. A piece of a pine needle. Throw it out. Whatever. It's far. It's going to get it out. It's going to get it out. You say, preacher, 
ask, why is this happening in my life? What am I going through this for? He's cut it out of us. He's cut it out of us. Many such things are with him. Therefore, verse 15, am I troubled at his presence? When I consider, Job said, I am afraid of him. Job said, I'm afraid of him. Verse 16. This is it. We're through. Job said, I can almost see his eyes, if he could get them open. If he could see the eyes of his heart, the eyes of the inward man, they're sparkling. Job said, for God, this is what he's performing. This is what God's after. This is what God's doing in my life. He said, verse 16, For God maketh my heart soft. God maketh my heart soft. That's what God's doing. Job said, Yes, Lord. I see it, Lord. You, you want me to be softened. To serve you better. There's 42 chapters. A lot more questions. And God shows up in chapter 38. Lord, I tell you, God calls Job on the carpet. You're talking about addressing down, friend. God said, Job, where were you? If you know so much, Job, where were you when I did this? Where were you when I did this, Job? Where? If you know so much, tell me, Job! Job had over 300 questions. You know how many of them he asked God when he got an audience with him in chapter 38 and chapter 39? He got what he wanted. He wanted to come before God's seat. He wanted that audience with God. He got it. You know what he asked God? Absolutely nothing. Nothing. You know what he did do when he was able to speak? 42. Verse 1. Job answered the Lord and said, he said, I know that thou canst do everything, and no thought can be withholding from thee. Job said, Who is God he said, Who is he that hired counsel without knowledge? Therefore have I uttered that which I understood not. He just he's confessing here. God, I uttered that. God, you listen to me can help God stay with me. He said, God, I will tell you something. I uttered counsel without any knowledge, God. He said, Lord, I didn't understand what was going on. I understood, I uttered that, but understood not things too wonderful for me, which I knew not. Now Job sees clearly. Now Job sees what God was doing. He said, it was too wonderful for me, God. I couldn't understand it. And I uttered things which I understood not. Oh, you go down through here and God blesses the latter end of Job, don't he? Praise God. I'm telling you, he gave him twice as much as he ever did have. Old Job lived a hundred. He lived out to be a hundred and ten. Was that right? No. So Job died being an old and full of days, the Bible said. He lived to be an old and full of days. He lived a hundred and forty years. After this, he lived a hundred and forty years. Job died being old and full of days. You know what I close with? This is it. You said, Preach, what are you talking about? 
God's after something in us. And what he's after? He's after a work to make our hearts soft. It's all said and done, man. Job's trials come and go. He prayed for his friends, and God blessed the latter. And God turned the captivity of Job when he prayed for his critics. When he prayed for those that falsely accused him. When he prayed for those forgers of lies, those miserable comforters, those physicians without value. When Job prayed honestly and sincerely for his critics, God turned his captivity. God turned it around. And you know what? I see Job. He lived 140-something years after that. Every time, I believe every time Job heard of somebody's livestock dying, his heart would race out to him. He'd say, I know how you feel. When he read the obituary column and saw somebody's son or daughter died, his heart would race out to him. He'd say, I know how you feel. God made his heart soft. Soft. I'm afraid we don't, we, I, I, we're not hearing what the Lord's saying a lot of times. We've got this fantasy, dream world of Christianity. And then when the troubles come, they just don't know how to handle it. Don't know what to do. But you hear me? All scriptures given by inspiration of God is proper for doctrine, for reproof, correction, for instruction, and righteousness that the man of God might be thoroughly furnished unto all good works. I'm going to tell you something. God's going to see to it. I said God's going to see to it that he's going to make the believer's heart soft. Soft. You think that might help us? If we could get a focus, if we could understand that God's working on us through our trials and our problems and our hurts and our disappointments and our despairs. God's making our hearts soft. That we can serve Him better. Do you want to serve Him? Wait a minute now. Do you really want to be a vessel unto honor? Do you really want to be a vessel God can use to put a good cold drink of a gospel in to carry to some thirsty sinner? Do you really want to be used for God and have the power of God and the touch of God in your life? Then you are a candidate. Have your heart to be made soft. Hard-hearted people can't serve Christ right. So he's going to see to it. And our hearts are soft. May the Lord, may the Holy Ghost help you have a better glimpse and understanding of why troubles come. There's a ministry in troubles. There's a ministry in the thorns of life. May the Lord help us. May the Lord help us. Thank you for coming tonight. Thank you for praying for me this week. I really appreciate those of you that held me up in prayer. Ask God to touch us. Troubles are going to come. We're through. Pastor, come just a second. A couple months ago now, it's just been three months now. What is this? August time's getting by so fast. It's the first of May. May, June, July, August. This is the beginning of the fourth month. Almost four months ago, Barbara went with me, my wife, Sister Barb. She went with me to Kentucky, helped me to drive. 
Coming back down the road, we were having that family talk. I may have told somebody this other night. We were talking as husband and wife and about things. I felt, I felt impressed with the Holy Ghost. I felt that nudge of the Holy Spirit. I said, Barb, trouble's coming our way. I said, I sense the dark clouds are coming. There's a storm brewing in our life, Barb. She looked at me. And uh, I said, your mama's getting older. Your mama's getting older. Your dad's getting older. He's 67. Mama's 66. Her mama's 66. I said, I sense troubles are brewing, Barb. And I said, God will still be God no matter what happens. I said, God will still be God, Barb. I said, honey, do you realize that car phone could ring right here in our car? And Mama was keeping the kids that night. My mother, I said, she could call and say, John's been hit out here in the yard by the car. And he's been, been killed, Buster. And I said, Bob, God would still be as much God tonight as he was yesterday. I said, do you understand, honey? I was trying to shore, shore up. We're just talking and strengthening one another. Three weeks from that, about that day, almost three weeks to the day, her dad had been hurting his elbow. And his back had been bothering a little bit, and his shoulder. Went to the doctor. He couldn't find nothing. Thought it was his heart at first. Then the neurosurgeon come in and begin to run some tests. And then they run that uh, main test on him through that uh, MRI. They found cancer in his liver. Found cancer wrapped around his spine. That, that a few months ago they said was absolutely inoperable. And within almost three, three months, almost four months, it's gone down. Just, just wilted. I watched her weep and I watched her cry and we walked through this storm together. I told her, and she knows God's making fire hearts soft. Soft. But the Lord will do right. The Lord will do right. Stay with him, church. Stay with the shepherd and the bishop of your soul. Stay with him. Keep on going on. He'll see us through. He is going to see us through. Listen to me. Stay with him. Keep on going on. He's going to bring us out on the other side. He said he would. He's as good as his word. Soften to serve. Soften to serve. Heavenly Father, Lord, I want to thank you for this week of meeting. I want to bless you, Lord, for the opportunity, the privilege that's been afforded me to come to this pulpit, not after, not after night, to open the blessed Word of God. Lord, you said, the psalmist said, it's a lamp unto my feet. Lord, I pray that you give us some light tonight. Somebody may be in a dark place tonight, Lord. May you shine some light. And Lord, if it's dark enough, just a little light will shine a long, long way. Help them to see, Lord, that you're performing a work in us. And Lord, I pray that you help your people. Bless these aged saints, Lord, they're getting on up in years. 
Lord, maybe they're facing some fears and anxieties and or things of that nature. I pray that you'd calm that. I pray that you'd manifest your presence to them and your voice. May they hear your voice, Lord. And I pray for these young ones, Lord. These young sheep, these young lambs that are being pulled by this world. Lord, trying to be alert aside. Taken off out in the world, Lord. Help them to see that's all vain. Vanity, God, it's a dead end street out yonder. Help us to go on with you, Lord. Help us to go on with you, Lord. I pray that you give encouragement and strength for these messages to your people. Bless the good pastor, Lord, here. Bless the man of God, his family, Lord. Tell you to put a hedge about him, a hedge about his family, Lord. I know if the devil has his will, the devil has his way, God. He'd like to destroy every man of God. Lord, please, hedge your man in here. Help his boys and help his daughter, God. Help them to understand that they represent God and they represent the ministry that God has. Help, help them not to jeopardize anything like that. Oh, God, I pray you help them. Put a hunger in your people's heart, Lord, for you. Lord, draw us and we'll follow after you. That's my heart's cry. Thank you again, Lord. Bless your people now. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.